it's just an honor and a privilege to praise God and worship alongside of you. Amen. I hope you'll join with me and, and just enter right in. Amen. Nothing brings me more joy than giving God glory. Amen. This never gets old to me. Amen. I hope it never gets old to you. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you honor. I give you praise. Sing it now. And I bless you. 
And welcome to our Bible study at HBT. Good to have you with us uh, this evening. Sorry for the little uh, technical issue here we've got in the beginning of our uh, beginning of our service here. So um, good to have all of you here tonight, and uh, may the Lord richly bless you. 
it's always a privilege to be able to gather together. I believe that by God's grace, Lord willing, we will be able to have service on Sunday. And um, we are looking forward to getting together finally again in our building. And uh, this Sunday also, uh, we're expecting some weather, but um, I think uh, it had to be pretty bad before we <laughs> cancel service this Sunday, that's for sure. But uh, we'll certainly let you know if the weather gets, uh, gets prohibitive. Uh, I would strongly encourage uh, each and every one, you may have gotten the uh, update today that uh, I asked Sister Sarah to send out, but uh, I was encouraging folks to wear masks. We don't want to have a repeat uh, of the situation that we have been dealing with. And um, we still have several folks in the church that have not had the virus and are not vaccinated. So uh, we would ask you to certainly consider that. Uh, Lord willing, this Sunday also we'll have the, uh, the shower and uh, we will be serving some refreshments. It's a drive-by shower. Uh, we're going to be doing it outside and it'll give you a chance to uh, bring a gift to meet uh, Sister Trish, Brother Aaron uh, in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to go with that on Sunday afternoon. So if we have the service, we will be having the, uh, the drive-by shower as well. So uh, we were look, certainly looking forward to that. We get few opportunities to have a social connection uh, these days. So it's really nice to be able to have that. Uh, the virus is obviously is serious. You don't need me to tell you that. Uh, we've got several folks that are still in serious shape. And uh, I, I was really delighted to get this picture uh, this week and Brother Tom made it home. Uh, his wife certainly looks happy and the dog looks happy. Uh, Brother Tom is back in his chair again. And uh, he did, had a pretty good day today. And uh, we're very thankful, Brother Tom, for you to be there and uh, be back home again. I believe that that directly is an answer to prayer. And uh, I was following Brother Tom's situation very closely. And uh, we prayed earnestly for Brother Tom. And I will tell you that I believe it's God's grace that he's uh, where he is tonight. And we're very thankful for that. We want to continue to remember Brother Joe. And uh, Brother Joe uh, is still on the ventilator, but they're hoping uh, to wean him off the ventilator over the next couple of days. So what we're looking for is a miracle. We're looking for God to really undertake for Brother Joe. And uh, we will uh, begin to see him wean off that uh, ventilator altogether. He's down to 50% oxygen and he's holding the level of oxygen in his lungs uh, pretty well. And so they're encouraged by that and they're encouraged enough to be able to do a couple of procedures that will allow him to be able to wean off that and hopefully uh, be able to breathe and operate on his own. And so uh, we're praying for a miracle. Sister Lisa has been in contact and uh, we've been in, in touch about this uh, every day, usually twice a day, and uh, just making sure that we're up up on all of the uh, different happenings there. The hospital's been very good to contact Sister Lisa. And uh, she's also been very good to convey that information to me. And I like to be able to pass it on to you as well. And uh, so we are we are uh, just together, just going to be praying for Brother Joe and just asking the Lord to raise him up off that bed and, and uh, get him back home again. Sister Mary Smith is out of the uh, center up in Lenore, and she's down in uh, the Timothy Center in uh, Hickory, and she's there for recovery. She's there to gain some strength before she can come back again, 
And so uh, we're asking that the Lord will undertake for Sister Mary and give her the strength that she needs and also uh, for Brother Smith as well. His daughter came up and uh, was there at his house and helping him earlier in the week. And uh, I haven't talked to Brother Smith today. I called him, but I haven't reached him today. Uh, but uh, we just uh, continue, want to continue to remember them in prayer for sure. Sister Haley Johnson's uh, boss, the lady she works for, had a biopsy uh, today, and we are holding her up in prayer. Very uh, nice woman, and uh, we certainly want to hold her up in prayer. Brother Mike Holloway uh, is in the hospital in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, Brother Mike had some uh, issues going on with his heart, uh, they wanted to put him in on Monday, but he went home and he's uh, back in the hospital now on this Wednesday. Uh, it's difficult because his wife uh, is not able to be there and uh, they're able to communicate by telephone, but that's about it. And uh, they're going to be doing some extensive testing and a heart cath for him. Uh, he has a valve issue that they're going to evaluate and see whether they can fix this with medication or not, or whether they need to go in and actually do the surgery. And so uh, if you don't mind just remembering Brother Mike in prayer, and uh, he was feeling good today when he got up, and uh, he was uh, felt like he was stronger, and uh, that was a good sign. So we want to uh, continue to remember him. Uh, Sister Laura also is recovering. She has uh, finished her quarantine time, I believe, on Monday and uh, getting her taste of uh, taste and smell back again. And so we're thankful for that. And uh, the rest of the family seem to be doing well. But um, we live in certainly in uncertain times and, and difficult times. And of course, there's all kinds of uh, news out there that you know uh, people are concerned about. I, I'm just glad that uh, the people of this world are not in control, but God's in control. And uh, this um, virus has certainly taken its toll in a lot of different ways. It's actually lowered the life expectancy of Americans by 1.13 years. Uh, and that's quite a drastic thing. That normally only happens after a war uh, when so many people have passed away. Uh, but uh, we're just praying that the, you know we'd be able to get back on our feet again and get back together. And uh, we know that this uh, virus is a very difficult and very dark thing and uh, we stand against it. So let's bring our needs before him tonight in prayer. You take your need this evening, and uh, let's join our hearts together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful again, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to connect and to be able to study the scriptures together again, Lord. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just minister mightily, Lord, in these situations, Lord, where some of your children, Lord, are hurting, they're sick, and they need your touch, they need your help, Lord. I pray for Brother Joe and ask you in the name of Jesus that you would just uh, minister to him, Lord. May your angels just encamp around about him, Lord, and give him the strength that he needs. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, for Brother Tom and uh, Lord, your grace in his life, getting him back home again to his wife and to us, Lord. And Father, may you just continue to give him strength, I pray, and the healing touch that he needs. And Lord, we think of Brother Mike tonight, Brother Mike Holloway, and we commit him and lift him up before you in prayer. Believing, Lord, that you're, you're still a great physician, Lord. You're still a healer today, the same as you absolutely ever were. And so we commit his need into your hands now tonight. Bless his dear wife, I pray. And uh, Lord, may you just undertake for our sister and, and give her the strength and patience, Lord, that uh, she needs during this time. And we think of brother and sister Smith, Lord, and uh, the great need that they have in their lives. And 
Father, in the August season of their life, may you just come on the scene and minister to them. And all those who are sick, Lord, and needy, we commit to you. Bless our time together this evening, Lord. And may your Holy Spirit come on the scene in a special and a personal way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. Now, uh, I know uh, it's been a, a wearisome thing to be able uh, to have to listen to me online. Uh, and I know what it's like on my side to have to, uh, you know, preach to myself over these uh, last uh, few weeks here. But I want to bring something that's simple uh, today and something that is fresh, uh, I believe, from the presence of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to title this uh, Step Into the Waters. Uh, which deals with the order of entry of the children into the promised land. And we're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 3. So if you have your Bible tonight, do that. I'm not going to be long. This is not going to be long or prolonged in any way. Uh, complex, it's actually going to be rather simple. Uh, but I, I just have this on my heart, and I just want to share it this evening here. Because um, as we have been talking about in this little series that we did on Marks and Seals, uh, which, by the way, is just absolutely incredible, the, uh, uh, the, the distance that those sermons have gone. And when I say that, I mean uh, people either streaming or listening on archives. And uh, we've got uh, just, uh, I mean, it was just seemed to be a help to people. And I, I trust it was a help to our local assembly as well. Appreciate the comments that I've gotten. And uh, that's always a help for me. But I was thinking of this aspect of it that, uh, you know, when it comes to the fact, okay, if we are the if we are the chosen of God, if we are the elect of God, and we have the seal of God in our lives, then the next order of business for us is the entering into the kingdom, and we want to do that right. And as we go back in the Scripture, uh, we realize we're not in a time of coming out of denominations like Moses led the children of Israel out uh, under the hand of Pharaoh. We're, we we've moved beyond that time. We've come through the Red Sea. And uh, but now it's a time of entering in, and we can we can see that in the world. We can see that in the days that we're living in. And uh, remember, Brother Branham defined the word redemption as two two parts. He said it's a coming out of and a coming into. So it is not enough just to come out of of something and be independent or separate. It is a definite going into something as clear as something you came out of, and. Uh, in, in our case, uh, it, it is a coming out of this world and going into our rightful kingdom. And uh, that's a very important thing. So we want to make sure that we're aligned, that we are doing that the correct way, that we are in the place where God would have us to be for, uh, for that entering into the promised land. Now, if you don't mind, take your Bible. I'd like to read a portion of it here. And uh, sorry, there's... Um, there's a, a number of really great lessons that are here. And so let's just, uh, don't worry about what's on the screen there. Let's just look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. So they're, they're, uh, they're leaving one place. After all of these years now, they're leaving one place and they're going into another place. And so uh, this is the setting now. And as they do that, they're waiting on God. They're waiting on instructions. And so it comes to the place now where they're uh, receiving their word. So in verse three, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. The sign 
for you is going to be the moving of the word. When the word starts to move, then that's when you get ready to go. And yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way before. Now it's interesting, 2,000 cubits is referred to uh, by the Hebrew people as a biblical mile. Now, uh, just for a point of reference, on the Sabbath day in the Old Testament, uh, a biblical mile was the extent of your journeys that you were allowed to go. So God did not want them to go past 2,000 cubits, which was a biblical mile. It's a little less than our mile. Uh, this is a distance that uh, God wanted the children of Israel to be separated here when it came to, uh, when it came to uh, going across the River Jordan. He wanted them to be apart from one another for that space of time. Now, that's about 914 meters for you that are listening outside the U.S. And this is the, uh, the, the distance. Now, the, children, the, the Levites, as they took the ark, they carried it on their shoulder and they stood in the river and then the children of Israel passed by and went over on the other side. So they did come near uh, the ark. In verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. Six, and Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant to pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that I may know that they sorry, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. All right, there's three points that I want to uh, make here, and we'll just build on these three points here very simply. Number one, they were to keep their eye always on the ark, and that was critical for them. The crossing over from the old land of Egypt into the promised land depended on how well and how zealously they kept their eye upon the ark. The word was in the ark. So when we say that, we're saying that they had to be watching the word all the time and where that was. In other words, where was God moving uh, when it came to the Ark of the Covenant? So it's number one, they had to keep their eye on the Ark. Number two, uh, they had to sanctify themselves. They had to, uh, they had to uh, actually uh, do this, do this uh, physically. They, it was not just a mental thing, uh, but they had to physically uh, purge themselves of things that didn't belong in that land. They had to make sure they were uh, dressed appropriately and they were acceptable in that, in that way of holiness to God. Because God did not want everything brought into the promised land. He just wanted uh, what, was, what was acceptable to him brought in the promised land. So they had to practice holiness in the crossing over. They had to sanctify themselves. Number three, they had, according to verse eight, they had to step in. They had to be all in. In the modern vernacular, it's on. Okay, and when they saw that the time uh, for them to go had arrived, they had to step in. It was no good for them to look across the river, and I will guarantee you, you can look across the Jordan River. It's not wide or deep at all. Uh, it was wider because it was the, uh, the, the runoff uh, from the mountains there, from the Golan Heights. But it was not, I mean, even if the River Jordan doubled in size, um, you know, a child could walk across the river in most cases. It was, it's not a deep place. And so therefore, uh, they had to, they had to get in. 
and they could not just satisfy themselves with standing on the shore. They had to get in. They had to get their feet wet. They had to, uh, you know, the, to actually go across that river. Uh, there was no indication anywhere where the hand of God was on their back. There was no indication anywhere where uh, they were pushed or there, there was uh, even judgment behind them. There was, there was only this commandment that was given to them, keep your eye on the ark. When the ark goes, you go. Number two, you're going to sanctify yourself and make sure that nothing is brought over into the promised land except what's acceptable to God. And number three, get in and go all the way. Don't go halfway, because if you go halfway, you're going to drown. Uh, if you go halfway, uh, the waters are going to come back and they're going to overtake you again. And so go all the way. In, it's, it's no different than what the River Jordan represents, which is death to self or death to us. And there's no way you can go halfway in a new birth. You're either born again or you're not. You're either uh, regenerated or you're not. And so this whole idea of going halfway or going up to the edge of it or just, uh, you know, associating with it, that was no good. They had to get in. And that was what God told them in verse 8. Now, if you don't mind, let's read a little bit further here because I love the chapter. It's a great, simple chapter with lots of different types and lessons in here. And Joshua said in verse 9 to the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said unto them, Hereby ye shall know that, that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. This is the most important thing, that the Ark of the Covenant is going over, and your commission is to follow it. Now, therefore, take ye out twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as the soles of your feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, with the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it come to pass, when the people remove from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they bear the Ark, they were come into Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all these banks in the time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. So this is where this was. This is kind of south near the Dead Sea, uh, where the rivers actually stopped, and so the waters going into the Dead Sea actually stopped. And this was quite a supernatural phenomena. And Joshua reminded them, hey, this is not us. This is God's doing. This is God's program. And this is the culmination of your time in the wilderness. There's a lot of things now are just going to be memories. We're not going to deal with the wilderness anymore. We're not going to deal with Egypt anymore. We're not going to deal with, uh, you know, the manna anymore. All of these things now are going to cease. And we've turned a corner. We're going into a new day. Your job is to step in, okay? Follow the ark, step in, and prepare your hearts for that. In verse 17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Let me ask you a question. Where was Joshua during this time? It's an interesting question because he's not mentioned. Once we read that Joshua told the people what was going to happen, and they all began to file across the river, Joshua is not mentioned as saying, well, he went first, or he went last, <clears throat> or he rode on his uh, 
chariot or his camel or anything else. Uh, we we there's it's, it's an interesting omission. And sometimes when something is omitted in the scripture, it's just as interesting as when something is included. And I was just thinking about this today. Uh, you know, I was in the doctor's office and they were uh, evaluating my hand here because of the pain that I have. And I had to have some surgery on there. And I was just thinking about this uh, as I was sitting there and waiting for the uh, doc to come in and uh, look at it there. And I was just thinking, where was Joshua during all this time? And uh, it doesn't say anything about where he was. And I read down through the chapter again. I read it several times and read down through the chapter. And uh, it doesn't mention anything about where he where he was. But we do know he got over on the other side. Because once you go to chapter uh, 4 and 5, and it picks up in the story again of uh, the conquest of Jericho, Joshua's right there. So we know he got across. But we don't know uh, anything about the actual detail of him crossing over. And uh, I would just say this to you, that because he, we know he did make it over on the other side, he moved among them. He went with them. And I think that's probably the easiest thing to say, that he was among them as they crossed over. And I believe, saints of God, that our Joshua is not a minister in this message. Our Joshua is not Brother Branham because God's already taken him over on the other side. I believe our Joshua is the Holy Spirit, and I believe he's among us as we cross over into the other land. I believe he is, uh, he's not visible. Uh, he's not one that we can see. We, we don't need to go to a certain city or a town uh, to see the Lord Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Uh, the pillar of fire is not even visible today. But you know what? I believe he's among us. I believe when we get over on the other side, he'll be there. And I believe we shall see him. And we are thankful for that uh, over on the other side. And uh, I, I, I do have very, every confidence that even though that things are difficult and the journey might be rocky and it might be, uh, you know, uh, certainly, um, you know, an interesting one or a new journey because we've never passed this way before, I believe that he's with us. And if he's with us, who can be against us? If he's with us, there will be no problem. And if he's with us, let me tell you, we're all going to make it. Everyone is going to be there uh, because he's, a, he's among them, among God's people. Now, I want you to, to just uh, think about this. Uh, think about this principle here, okay, of uh, stepping in, all right? And in the message, Fellowship by Redemption, now stay with me, I'm not going to be long here. Uh, the reason we can't see our, our television pictures, Brother Branham said, is that our bodies are not set as instruments to pick up mechanically sent things. So we don't have the receiving set uh, that a, a television or a radio has to be able to pick up the wave. But when our body becomes in tune with God, even though we don't have that, when our body becomes in tune with God and become a part of him, then our soul can pick up the power of the Holy Spirit to vindicate the presence of the Lord Jesus in all of his power and omnipotence. Watch that now. When we become in tune with God, becoming a part of him, then our soul can pick up the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't pick up a radio wave where I'm sitting, but I can pick up the mind of God. I can pick up the voice of God. I can pick out the will of God for my life. I can pick out the direction that he may want me to go or something he might want me to say or something he might want me to do. And like in the same way that a radio is built to catch the wave, you as the elect of God are also built to catch the wave which is sent from the presence of God in all of his power and omnipotence and to be able to speak to you through his word. 
and he wants fellowship, Brother Branham said. He lives among us today, and he wants fellowship. He's desiring to fellowship again with his people like he did in the Garden of Eden. So God wants us to uh, to listen because he's built us to receive or to be in tune with God. So you need to step in. You need to step into the program of God and step into that place where God can speak to you uh, because he's alive, you're alive, you're built to hear him, you're built to catch the thought, you're built to be able to hear the word of the Lord and register somehow on the inside that that is true, that is right. And that's exactly what God made you to be. He made you to hear the voice of God. And he made you to hear the word of God. And he desires fellowship again with these people like he did in the Garden of Eden. And he's getting it now, not in the direct sense like he had with Adam and Eve where they were in physical bodies in that kingdom. But we are in another body, trapped in time, trapped in Satan's Eden. But we still have a receiving set that is powerful enough to catch the voice of God with all the other voices that are in this world. I think that's a tremendous thing. But remember now, you got to step in. You have to you have to uh, be a part of him. Or like he says in the, in the second paragraph there, when we become in tune with God. And that's what he wants you to do, become in tune with God. Because when you become in tune with God, then God can speak all kinds of things to you. All right, now, let me just say this, and I, I just want to uh, say this as, as clearly as I can, because this is a thought that was on my heart uh, today. God wants you to, to catch his voice. God wants you to understand his word. And God wants you to be in the right order at the crossing over of the children of Israel. Joel, let's say it this way. When the children of Israel crossed over and they saw the arks go in the river with the Levites and they stood in the middle, it would have done you no good to go a mile or two up the, up the river because it was more narrow. It would not have done you any good to go ahead of the Levites. You had to go in the order God wanted you to go in. So you had to go by tribe. You had to go according to your calling. You had to go in the timing that God had for you. In other words, you had to be in tune with this whole event. It was going to happen a certain way. and There had to be a certain distance. And there had to be somebody go first with the ark on their shoulder. Uh, there had to be uh, certain things left off. There had to be certain things included. There was an order. God just didn't say, hey, listen, I'm going to part the waters. Every man for himself go over to the other side. That's not the way he did it. He could have done that, but he didn't do it. Matter of fact, when we find that Moses opened the Red Sea when they were escaping Pharaoh back in the book of Exodus there, uh, there was, seemed to be no order of it. I, I mean, I don't know. But they, they passed over on the other side, and then they all danced on the other side. But when it came to this crossing over, there was an order, and there was a pattern laid down. And God said, I want you to follow this. This is the way I want you to go. So therefore, you've got you've to learn in life, and this is the lesson tonight, and it's very simple. But let me say this, you've got to learn in life to get in line with God's word in the ark because that's the only way you're successfully going to cross over on the other side. You cannot make the scripture line up with your thinking. You have to line your thinking with the scripture. God's word is right. So don't try to make the scripture match your thought or your heart or your emotions, or your reasoning, or your logic, or your morals. You make sure that everything about you lines up with the Scripture because the Scripture or the Ark went first. You say, well, 
I'm going to make the scripture fit this relationship. Uh, hold on now. Hold on now. Now, if you don't mind, I don't have this uh, written here in the on the screen, so if you don't mind, I'd like you to turn to a couple of New Testament scriptures here, Romans chapter 6, and I'd like you to find that one, if you will. Romans, the sixth chapter. I want every young person to look and find this, because this is going to be important here. I want everybody who's old uh, to find this, and I want everybody who's middle-aged to find this. If you're married, you need to look at it, and if you're unmarried, you need to look at it too. Okay, that's all, though. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Let's read it. Start at 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. It was more than just obedience. It was a slavery situation. And this whole idea of slave versus uh, free man or the principle of slavery and ownership is illustrated here. It still applies, Paul says. And when sin reigned in your body, it was your controller. It was your leader. And he said, when you were unconverted, you were subject to the lusts and the immorality and the thoughts and the passions of human nature. And so he says, therefore, from this point on, when you're dead unto sin and you're alive unto God through Christ Jesus, Sin does not have the ownership anymore. Sin does not have the controlling power in your life anymore. Verse 13, neither yield yourself members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So your job is to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit to protect you from the way Satan would like to lead you about. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you and ye are not under the law but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or, or, or of obedience unto righteousness. Let me say that 16 again. Know ye not to whom that ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. This really depends on who you give in to. So you can say, well, I'm going to play uh, with fire. Now, you don't, you don't get up in the morning and say it that way, but let's just say you started to gamble. Uh, let's just say that you got into Internet pornography or you got into video games or something else. And you could have the reasoning and say, well, you know what? Uh, Brother Barry always says that if you have eternal life, you always will have eternal life and you can't lose it and you can't gain it. So therefore, if I'm eternal, I'm going to make it anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and do this and I'm going to play with fire for a little while. That's not the game you should play. And this is what Paul says right here, that know ye not in verse 16, that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. So when you obey the wrong thing, the wrong thing's going to lead you. Now, let me just say this. That when you are led by the wrong thing, you begin to hide. When, you, when you're involved in the wrong thing, you begin to cover your tracks. You're hiding. You don't want anybody to know. You're afraid to surrender your computer or you're afraid to surrender your checkbook or you're afraid to surrender information because uh, now it's better to hide. This is because you probably yielded to the wrong person. But I will guarantee you that everyone who does wrong 
searches for an ally. They want to have an ally to stand by them and approve of their behavior. Now, listen, if you're involved, I'm just picking this example. If you're involved in Internet gambling, you're not going to find an ally with me. You're not going to find an ally probably with your parents or your siblings. You're probably not going to find an ally among anyone in the church. So you're going to find friendship or an alliance or fellowship with somebody who enjoys the same thing. So therefore, you're in the process of not only hiding the activity, but you hide the association that goes with it. And when that happens, when you begin to start hiding it, then you are becoming a servant to the one you've yielded to and now you're obeying the wrong influence in your life. You say, did I lose eternal life? No, I didn't say that. But I will say this, that the way of a transgressor is hard. And we'll also say that you're going to reap what you sow. So watch now. The word bondage here is an important word because it means to bring someone lower. Metaphorically. This is the definition, to give yourself wholly to one's needs and service and make myself a bondman to him. I am actually volunteering myself to go lower than where I should be to satisfy someone else's needs and service. I'm going to give them money. I mean, let's think about the prodigal son, for instance. When he went off into the, off into the wilderness of sin, uh, he, he served everyone else by giving them his money, uh, giving them his, you know, his friendship. He gave everything away, and he wound up lower at the end of the day than higher. When you give your life away to Christ, you wind up higher. Even if you lose this world's goods, you wind up in a higher place closer to God. Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But when you give yourself to the wrong influence, you wind up lower than where you should be, and you can be in the position of losing all. This is what Paul wants us to think about, that there's not an automatic righteousness here. There is rather a righteousness of obedience. In Acts chapter 7, God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil 400 years. Isn't it true that when Israel came into Egypt and they were under the hand of the taskmasters, they were treated as someone lower than the Egyptians. They were treated as, as an, an off-scouring. They were treated as someone less than an Egyptian would be. When Hitler took over in Germany, the Jews were considered lower than Germans. The gypsies were considered lower than Germans. And, and that's the way uh, it was in Saddam Hussein's time, or whatever dictator you want to find, that when you obey the wrong influence in your life, it'll take you lower. When you find yourself going lower, that's when you're, you've yielded or become a servant to the wrong thing. And by God's grace, that's when you need to wake up, and that's when you need to move in the direction of coming back to a higher place. I hope I'm getting through, and I hope you're listening. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, is a help to you. But let me go on a little bit further, if, if it'll be all right, just a little longer. But God be thanked, yet ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Paul says, I'm speaking in a very natural way because you know what? You still have a body. And you still have feelings, and your feelings can get stepped on. 
Your feelings can be hurt. Your spirit can be crushed. And you can have hurt feelings. You can have people who criticize you and betray you and people who say all men are of evil against you. Uh, that is a real thing. And so as a result of that, Paul says, I'm speaking uh, in a natural way so that you'll be able to relate to this. You'll understand it because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. So that's what we should do. Now watch what Brother Branham says here. Hold your, hold your thought in Romans 6. Don't lose, Don't close your Bible. So now today, when we look over our denominational churches, and Brother Branham's describing them there, they, the Pentecostals, had truth and rejected it. They got lukewarm with it, and God spewed them from his mouth. That's exactly according to the Scripture. And you can't make the Scripture lie. They're going to be truthful always. The Scriptures are going to be true always. The only thing, oh, I love this, don't try to line Scripture up to your thought, but line yourself up with the Scripture then you're running with God, no matter how much you have to cut away or lay aside, line up with that. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Many times in my life, I've had to surrender something to line my life with the Scripture. I look at, you know, Brother Branham's life. I look at the life of many great men of God and women of God over the years, and they, they had to sacrifice something. They had to give up something in order to align their lives with the Scripture. Brother Branham says, don't do the reverse. I'm going to find a, you say, for example, I'm going to find a moral reason to love somebody, even though that relationship might not be correct. I want to love someone or I love, want to love something. And my rationale is this, uh, love is of God and morals are of God or virtue is of God. So it's okay. So, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find somebody who approves of this and you're going to hide it because you know there's a question about it. And when you start hiding anything, there's a problem. You cannot, you should not make your thoughts, sorry, make the scripture line up with your thoughts. You can do it if you think long enough. You can justify anything. But tonight I wanted to just give you that caution. So, for instance, you can get on the internet and you can say, well, I'm only going to go so far, but that's not what the Bible says. I believe that. And I would trust you if that's what the Bible said, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible warns us that all things are full of labor, man cannot utter it, for the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. You cannot see enough to be satisfied. You cannot listen to enough to be uh, satisfied. There is always more that you want when you start to feed the, the wrong man. And if you don't believe the wrong man is there, just get out uh, off, off the order of God or off the alignment God's trying to bring into your life. Hey, if God gave direction for alignment in the crossing of the physical river Jordan, God is going to try to bring alignment in your life to get you across into the other kingdom without death. And you're never going to satisfy the things of this flesh entirely because the eye is not satisfied with seeing. You'll never see enough to say, okay, that's it. I, I've, I've seen enough. I don't want to see any more. Your eye will thirst for more. Your ear will thirst for more. And it's never satisfied 
with the wrong with the wrong things. It'll always go for more, and that's why there are levels of darkness and levels of perversity and levels of iniquity. Like Paul says, you went from iniquity to iniquity. You just didn't stop at iniquity. You went from iniquity to iniquity to iniquity because the eye is never satisfied and the ear is never filled with hearing. There's no stopping place. Once you get on the wrong, uh, the wrong uh, hill and you start to slide down it, there's no stopping. So it's only by the grace of God that we stop. Let's look at uh, verse 20. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. When you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. The righteous standards and morals and the boundaries that God puts in place did not affect you because you were servants of sin. You were completely, entirely serving the needs of Satan or the enemy or your human nature. All comes from the same thing. And you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Now I need you to think about this for a minute. Because if we're hiding something because we know it's wrong, there's probably a pretty good guarantee that it's never going to bring forth good fruit. Listen, back in the Old Testament, you remember in the time of uh, when when the Israelites joined themselves to Baal Peor back in the Old Testament back there, and uh, one of the Israelites mar- married himself, uh, um, you know, a, a Midianite-ish woman, and brought her into church. You remember that? And uh, the the Phineas there who saw that and took the spear and and uh, killed them both right in the assembly, right in the congregation, killed them both. There's no good fruit to the wrong kind of thing. And when you start to look at the fruit of what this is producing in your life, what kind, of, what kind of fruit is being produced in your life, and you look at that and you're starting to hide that, then you got something you should probably run through with a javelin. Not literally, I'm not talking about with people. But Paul is asking the question in 21, for what fruit had ye then in those things that you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. If you let this go long enough, then it's really going to bring you down into darkness. But now, 22, but now, praise God, but now being made free from sin and become uh, servants of, to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end is everlasting life. Different kind of fruit, different kind of obedience, different kind of experience because it's elevating, it's out in the open, it's something you're proud to proclaim, it's something that though it even may cost you, you still have a love for it. It is freedom from sin, freedom from darkness, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. My goodness, that is good, Brother Barry. If I had a phone, I would say amen. So you may think, well, I've got this all rationalized, and I've got it all reasoned out, and you can. You can find reasons. You can find somebody who will agree with you. Uh, You can get on the Internet and search long enough, put it on social media, and you'll find somebody who will agree with you, uh, even though they may not even know you. They'll agree with you, and they'll give you a thumbs up. But let's be honest, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You might be even in a relationship that's appropriate, but if it's not bringing forth the right fruit in your life, in other words, if it's steering you away from God, if it is distracting you in a bad way, then you know what? You probably need to reevaluate that and put some distance between yourself and God. Uh, sorry, yourself and that uh, that relationship or that that uh, thing that's bound you. Okay, that's what's that's, excuse me. That's what's really important uh, for you to consider. Okay, 
Now, look at the scripture again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, again, I don't have this uh, written out. Uh, I'm going to let you take a look at it here. But if you don't mind, my goodness, look at this one. Uh, this is this is uh, kind of a nice lesson for us all here. Uh, so if you have your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. I, I really... I really like this uh, little passage here. Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. So this is believers he's talking to. This is a first first age prophet, speaking of first age believers. We find the lesson pertinent to us in the last age, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God, so ye would abound more and more. When you find the key to walking with God, when you find the key to the Christian life, then you, my goodness, you want to fertilize that, you want to walk in that, you want to promote that, you want to protect yourself from the enemy from ruining that, you want to abound more and more. Remember that growth brings around the husbandman who prunes. Growth calls for pruning. Pruning is not disobedience, and pruning is not rejection. Pruning is simply God's method of bringing forth more in your life. A tree would never say, man, I'd love to prune myself. A tree is not going to do that. But the husbandman knows what's best. So the pruning comes from the external. It comes from outside. And in your life, in order for you to abound more and more, there's probably going to be some pruning that goes on in your life. But there'll be a time when you can look back at it and say, this was for my good. God was bringing out more out of me than I would have brought out in the state I was in. So God sent Joseph in the Old Testament book of Genesis over to Potiphar's house. Then he sent him into the jail. He could have freed him after Potiphar's house, but he wanted to bring more out. We don't always plan that way. We don't think that way. But let me tell you something. God's ways are higher than our ways. Read on if you don't mind. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Why would Paul say that if believers didn't do it? It's because you can. It's like you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Why? Because of verse 2. I got a line, line drawn back to verse 2. Because you know the commandments that were taught to you by a first age prophet. Not in the lust of dirty mindedness, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned you and testified. So if you wrong your spouse, for instance, you're not only wronging your spouse, you are offending God, and God is the offender of those that defraud him. So you're not only dealing with an angry spouse, you're dealing with an angry God, and this is not good. Paul says, that's why we forewarn you. We're being proactive here because you have to understand there's somebody else watching this, over this uh, incident as well. Verse 7, For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness, and therefore uh, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, he that also has, he all, hath also given us his Holy Spirit. So number one, we're to follow the ark. Number two, we're to come across in holiness. Number three, we're to be all in. Step into the waters. I find this exactly to be the same thing here. Chapter four. That we've taught you the commandments. Keep your eye on it. We're going to live in holiness and not go beyond the boundaries. 
And number three, we are going to do this with all of our heart and live in a way that's opposite of despising the commandment of God. Now, i got to stop for a minute and just talk about this word despise just for a moment. Watch. I'm going to show you two things. David, who could have killed his enemy, God led him right up to the enemy, a man that was searching for his life, King Saul, and his general said, God has delivered him into your hands. Take his life. And he cut the piece off his coat, and he went back, and he said, God forbid that I would touch his anointed. So, I hope everybody's listening. If you're listening, text an amen. Don't say nothing evil about Christians. Don't try to harm Christians. Because you'll reap what you sow every time. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Don't say nothing about Christians on Facebook. I, I'm sorry. Don't say nothing about Christians on Instagram. I'm sorry. Maybe some of them don't live just right or do just right, but that's God's child. Let the father take care of his own kitties. If we go to fighting one another, God will give us both a whipping, maybe. So let's just leave the other fellow alone and pray for him. Try to love him and correct him, and maybe God will help him. Did I just read what I just read? Well, let me say it again, if you don't mind. So don't say nothing evil about Christians. Don't try to harm Christians. Don't try to destroy their character. Listen, if somebody's doing something wrong, they're going to destroy their own character. You don't need to help. They're going to do a good job of that. If somebody's living a kind of a life and hiding things in their life, you don't need to worry about bringing, uh, bringing any criticism against them. They're doing a good job. Don't say nothing about Christians. Let me tell you, I had an example of this the other day. Uh, there was a minister who wrote to me who had a request for money for a house um, overseas. And this brother overseas has a reputation, and it's not a good reputation. And I won't tell you who it is. So this brother over here in North America, he wrote to me, and I, I, I know this brother, and... Uh, you've never met him. He's never been to our church, but I know him. And uh, I wrote to another brother who knew him better. And I said, I don't want to say anything out of turn here. I just want to confirm this. And this brother wrote me back and he said, yes, I know that uh, minister very well over in another country. And he said, uh, the message constrains me that if I cannot say anything good about somebody, I should say nothing. And I said, thank you. That's all I needed. I passed that statement on to the brother who asked me first. And he said, thank you. That's all I needed. Let me tell you something. You'll never get in trouble with God when you say nothing evil about Christians. There's too many negatives there. You'll always find favor with God when you speak positively about people or don't say anything. Maybe some of them don't just live right, or they do just right, but that's God's child. Now, let me just add this little piece in here. I don't think I need to add much to this uh, quote here, because it's really excellent. Maybe sometimes people don't live up to what you think is right. Maybe they don't live up to what you think they should be doing. 
But they're not you. That's God's child. You let the Father take care of his own. And if we go to fighting one another or being critical of one another, if we go harassing one another on social media or whatever else, where you start you know, uh, breaking down somebody's reputation or whatever else and making sure somebody hears you, um, you can get in trouble with God. There are ways to get in trouble with God, and you can get in trouble with God. Hey, listen, don't 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 kid yourself. It doesn't mean that you're uh, not the bride anymore, and it doesn't mean that you don't have eternal life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you can get in trouble with God. I'll guarantee you. And if you go fighting with one another, and God comes after you with the hickory switch, uh, you know what? Uh, you're better off avoiding that the next time. So let's just leave the other fellow alone and pray for him. Try to love him and correct him. Maybe God will help him. Correct him in love. Correct him knowing that you also can fall into the same traps everybody else can fall into. If you are without mistakes, if you are without sin, then you can cast the first stone. All right, all right, okay, I'll, I'll move on. I'll move on. He that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given us the Holy Spirit. The word despise is a key word here, and I'm going to, this is our last word study. It means to do away with something. It means to disregard it or thwart the efficacy of anything or nullify it. My goodness, what a word. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 again here. And Paul says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. God gave you the Holy Spirit so that you would not only know, but be convicted when you disregarded God's word. So Paul says the last thing you should do is despise a commandment of God. What commandment are you talking about? Read chapter 4 all the way down. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So you say, well, it's okay if I uh, give a boy a kiss on the cheek or if he holds my hand or puts his arm around me and we're not engaged or whatever else, you know, and, and begin to get physical. Hey, you know what you've done? You've set aside the word of God. You've set aside or you've disregarded or you've made void. Well, in my case, it doesn't matter. Or uh, under the circumstances, uh, you know what? I think it's okay. You know what you're doing? You're despising the word of God. You are slighting God's word. And to be refusing or rejecting or making void God's word in our time, in negating, thank you, Lincolnton, if you negate God's word on purpose, when God's given you the Holy Spirit to make sure you get it and that you uh, have it revealed to you and that you can live it, let me tell you, the power to live God's commandments doesn't lay in you. It lays in Christ in you. So, when you, when you lay aside God's word, when you negate the word in your own mind and because of your own reasoning and you reject it, you're on your own and you're going to fall into the traps of the enemy there. You can have eternal life and you can be a child of God, but you can have a rebellious, stubborn attitude towards the word of God. You fail to forgive somebody. Uh, you fail to show kindness to somebody or whatever else. And you know what? You're, you're actually turning aside the efficacy of anything, the effectiveness of the Word of God, and God gave you the Holy Spirit to make sure it works in your life. The ability for the Word to work in your life doesn't rest in you. It rests in the Christ in you, and you've got to make sure that you always entertain and open your heart and accept, which is the opposite of reject, the Word of God so that you can live the Word of God in your own life. 
That's what's important, folks. Likewise, Jude said, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. Do you know anyone in our world that despises dominion? Dominion is lordship, rulers, authorities, tax collectors, state troopers. Jude said those filthy dreamers, the ones that were destroyed, he said they dis- one thing about them, the characteristic they had was they despised dominion. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. Galatians 2, but if while, we be, uh, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. If while we seek to be justified, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore, is therefore Christ the cause of sin in your life? God forbid. Paul says, duh, for if I believe, if I build again, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I don't mean to make light of this. I, I uh, listen. This is this is to me. It's very clear, and I, I I'm learning from this just as much as you are. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. You know they say, and I and again you're going to say I'm picking on uh, Facebook or social media. They say that a lot of people who went on and got married. And maybe, you know, dissatisfied with their marriage. They went back and found former girlfriends wondering, what if? And I saw that person's name pop up there. And my goodness, I wonder what if? And so they can start communicating with something. And the the same sense of attachment and attraction that they had for somebody years ago, all of a sudden those little f- flames are fanned again by attention back and forth. And now all of a sudden we have something that we're trying to hide. Verse 19, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Watch and the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 21, bottom line, I do not frustrate. That word frustrate is the same word for despise. I do not negate. I do not frustrate. I do not avoid. I do not uh, undermine the efficacy of the the word of God. I do not frustrate the grace of God. If if for righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. This is not by law. This is by grace. I hope this makes sense. I hope you're following here what I'm what I'm actually saying. That there is an order for entry into the promised land. It requires you to follow the word. Number two, don't bring in something that you that doesn't belong because we live under still the same spirit of holiness. Number three, we're going to be all in. We're going to do this. We're going to do this because the Holy Spirit is in us, leading us to the kingdom. And you can't be halfway in. you got to be all in. Looking diligently, Paul says, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, for one morsel of bread, one morsel of meat sold his birthright. <clears throat> for you know that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, sorry, he was rejected. So in other words, in our world, people are lovers of pleasure. They don't like to be told what to do, and they don't like to be told they can't have something. They want it now. The calling of God in your life can be marred by the desire 
to feel good in the moment. Let me say it again. Your relationship with God, your stand, your uh, your communion with God, can actually be marred by the desire to feel good in the moment, like Esau did, because now yells louder, but forever should win. Now yells pretty loud. I want it now. I want to be married now. I want to be wealthy now. I want to have a ministry now. And we want to have the now. But forever should win because forever lasts longer. Forever is of God. Now, very often, is of the flesh. Forever is of God. Esau, he gave he gave in to the now and sold the birthright. For you know how that afterward, he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. The now took over. Forever was lost, because he gave in to the desires of the flesh now. I hope you're following. I hope that makes sense. Now, I'm going to wrap it up and say this. Brother, if we, here's Brother Brandon, if we ever come into the presence of God like Moses did, I was a revolutionary to him. In other words, it revolutionized his thinking. You remember he was full of fear when he went out in the wilderness. But when um, when he met the burning bush, it took away all of his fears. It empowered him. It enlightened him. It revolutionized his thinking. He knew immediately where to go and what to do. He knew immediately that he could stand in front of Pharaoh and deliver the children of Israel. He didn't have any doubts about his life or his future or anything else. Hey, it revolutionized his thinking when he stepped into the presence of God. In the light of that angel of God standing there on that mountain that day, everything that he once thought would never happen came to be a reality. And I think if men and women today would ever step into the light of the Holy Spirit under the unction of God's Spirit and the light of God's Word, everything that God has promised will illuminate to you and be real again. Oh, goodness, I like that. Let's look at it again. I think if men and women would ever step into the light of the Holy Spirit under the unction of God's Spirit and the light of God's Word, what are our three things? Our three things are that we're going to keep an eye on the Word of God. We're going to go in with holiness. And thirdly, we're going to be all in. And if men and women would ever step into the light of the Holy Spirit, under the unction of the Spirit and the light of God's Word, if you ever step into that, everything that God has promised will illuminate to you and you'll be real again. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's, it's, you're not worried about your future. You're not worried about your retirement. You're not worried about uh, you know, what people will think. Uh, you, hey, you're not afraid to, to, to die. You're not afraid to lose your life for some, uh, some reason. Hey, listen, uh, we're, we're in line with God's word. We've stepped into the light. We've, we've, made that, we've made that commitment and stepped into it. My goodness, that's exactly what happened to Moses. It revolutionized his thinking. It'll revolutionize yours if you step into the same light. Let me leave you with this last quote. 1965, and we're going to end, Jeremy, this is it. Christians, I may never see you again. Notice the date, December 1965. I think he's got one sermon left. I may never see you again. It's been years since I've been here. I may never see you again. Here's his advice. Here's the last word. Here's the bottom line. 
line up with God's word. Look in the mirror. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word of life. It is so clear and so real. And it isn't clear because of my knowledge or expertise. It is clear because we've stepped into a light. And in the light, you can see everything. Lord, we also, in seeing the word of God and what it says, we also see ourselves. May we look at ourselves in the mirror of your word. Lord, may we never contest it. May we never despise it. May we never push it aside or believe it can't work in me. The word of God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, will work in our lives. We just need to yield to the right thing and become servants of God. Yield our members as unto righteousness. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do it especially now because we're all getting in line to cross over. Minister to the sick. Bring healing to those who need it. Touch our frail bodies, I pray. And Lord, guide us in your will. Continue to make your word real. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. It's been good for us to be here in the house of the Lord. And uh, I just want to say I love him and thank God for his goodness to us. And may God bless the balance of your week. We look forward to seeing you in church on Sunday. God bless. <music>